welcome to the second episode of A Perfectly Logical Podcast. This lovely podcast is brought to you by Peter and Nadia, who are going to discuss something deep and thoughtful and or something weird and nonsensical. With us, it's hard to tell. How are you doing, Nadia? I'm doing pretty well. I It is a good day in Vancouver, Washington. I can see the sky today. There are clouds. That's good. I approve of being able to see the sky again <laughs> and not being encased in smoke. Right? How are you? I am doing quite well. Uh, I have been uh, exploring the limits of what my work will allow, and it turns out wearing a box on my head at work is one of those things that they will <laughs> allow, surprisingly. So uh, I did that for an extended period of time. All right. <laughs> Just going to let that sit there. <laughs> Peter, tell us one fun fact about yourself. Ah, all right. A fun fact about myself is that I have ridden an elephant once before. Really? Yes, I have. Where? Did you know this about me? I didn't know this about you. Yeah, yeah I have ridden an elephant. Uh, it was at a Renaissance fair in uh, Colorado when I was fairly small. They, I don't know why they had an elephant at a Renaissance fair. I don't normally associate elephants with the Renaissance. But I guess it was hard to get a hold of uh, five million chickens for the Renaissance, which would probably be more accurate. Of the two of us, <laughs> I would be the most likely to have ridden an elephant. But I have not ridden an I have not ridden an elephant. But you have ridden an elephant. Yeah, it does seem weird that I'm the one who did that <laughs> thing, but I definitely did. It's super weird. Huh? That I did not know that. Um, That's really cool. Which, by the way, speaking of a million chickens and so on, uh, we did not manage to get through one single episode without uh, there being factual in errors of a, of a large proportion. I said that there was five million chickens would be needed to lift up an elephant, which is blatantly untrue, uh, because it, it, an elephant is five million grams worth of mass, and uh, chickens can lift up 70 of them. So, in fact, it would take significantly fewer chickens, and I apologize uh, that I have brought dishonor on my family and on my cow. In fact, it would take, according to my uh, afterwards doing a little bit more math, it would take uh, about uh, 71,500 chickens, which is still is quite a so lot, but I'm not sure if it's enough to go to space. So they maybe wouldn't have to develop their own chicken space program, which is, you know... Uh, better odds for this uh, endeavor that we are apparently working towards. Because the next question is... So best of luck to you, chickens. How many chickens are there in the world? Oh, that's probably something Google knows. 23.7 billion <laughs> chickens. That's billion with a B, as in billion. Uh, that's a lot of chickens. So uh, by my previous math... That's enough to kill f more than 40 elephants, which is quite considerable. I, I'm not going to do the math to figure out how many it would actually take. All right. Uh, well, I'm glad we've learned that beautiful thing. That means there is enough for three and a half chickens per person in the world, approximately. Huh. 
So I guess I've got to know is where are my three and a half chickens? You already ate. Oh, well, that stands to reason. Okay. Uh, then I will not complain that the government is depriving me of my three and a half chickens, given that I have probably eaten way, way more than that in the course of, like, today, let alone my life. You've eaten three and a half chickens today? Uh, I'm not going to comment about my choices of my <laughs> lifestyle. Move on to our questions for the day. Oh, yes. Okay. Question of the day. I want you to think of a historical figure. And the question is, if you could go back in any time and you could change the occupation of a historical figure, which would change the course of this person's life, which would change the course of the world, who would it be? What occupation would you change their occupation to? And how would it change the world? Who would I change their occupation? I mean, there's a lot of people that would, like, I, I could change a lot of dangerous, bad people who've had a bad effect on history by just giving them a different occupation. Like, like make King Henry the Henry VIII just, like, some painter, and then he's suddenly a lot less dangerous, because he can't, like rewrite the government or have a bunch of his wives killed, at least not legally. I mean, the only reason he had his wives killed That's... legally is because he was the one who made the laws. Yeah. I feel like if I made him into just some random painter instead of a king, then like he probably would have been arrested after the first one, and uh, there, there would have been a lot fewer murders. But also, I don't know what the state of law enforcement was uh, during this hypothetical period of time. True. Huh. All right, how about you? Um, I mean, in, in a similar vein, I was thinking of Hitler. And I was <laughs> thinking of Painter, because he was a painter. And so if mm-hmm. he, he painted paintings and just, like, didn't drop out of art school then it would have been great. But I'm also thinking, what if there was, what if Hitler became a professional cupcake designer? (laughs) Okay. And he designed cupcakes for a living and he was really good at it. And I think he would be happier and more fulfilled as a human and he would learn how to get along with people more because he would just be sugar high all the time. Uh, yeah, that's a that's p- potentially. It would definitely diminish his impact on history if he were in charge of a single cupcake shop instead of, you know, uh, the entire country yes. of Germany. Um, if Hitler had a cupcake store, uh, what would it be called? <laughs> Adolf's cakes. I'm trying to think of something clever, and and it's it's not working. Yeah, me neither. I was trying to think of a word that is roughly like "kampf" that has to do with cupcakes. Uh, English and German are not really cooperating. Kampf cakes. Kampf cakes. There is. Oh man. Mine kampf cakes. 
We it was right. Mind comp cakes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what what else other yeah. than like dictators and horrible people? What if Einstein owned a bicycle shop? <laughs> okay. I mean, he was a, uh, like, a, I, I feel like that wouldn't necessarily have impacted his being Einstein very much. Because, like, his actual job, at least for some of his life while he was being Einstein Lee, was, um, he was like a filing clerk or something like that. Oh. Um. Which, like, that didn't have anything to do with him being a scientific genius, because that was just sort of what he did in his hobby. So I feel like Einstein would be kind of immune to temporal tampering in this way. Except if so, like, he had a bicycle apprentice. Okay. Yes, named George. Um, I gotta just take a second to say that, like, I know you mean a person that he takes on as an apprentice who helps him make or repair bicycles, but when you said he had a bicycle apprentice, it made me think that he had an apprentice who was a bicycle. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> which that's real historical tampering right there is we're we're bringing us we're making a bicycle have the occupation of being a sentient apprentice to Einstein. <laughs> yes I feel like that would probably have had implications on history but I really don't know what they are yeah I don't know Yeah. I. this is an interesting question but I can't think of any other interesting answers yeah yeah me neither alright shall we move on to the next question yes go for it alright uh, my question for right now is, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Ooh, that's a good question. Thank um, you. Probably a worm. A worm? Yeah. Their, All right. Their language would be the most dirty anyway. Jumped right into the pond, didn't you? That was very good. <laughs> uh, okay, yes, I agree. I feel like pigeons would probably be rude, but, like, in a socially acceptable way, like New Yorkers. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of pigeons in New York, so it makes sense that they would have absorbed the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say mosquitoes. Probably pretty mean. Unless maybe they're just really polite and they're like, every time they land on you, they're like, so sorry, I just need to borrow a smidge of your blood and then uh, take off. Like, I'm terribly sorry about the inconvenience and the, the itching and the possible malaria. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really must uh, not die. I don't know why I made them vaguely British. It's true. So... so- it would be a and like, sweet old British lady. Yeah. So, but also, like mice are always depicted as for high squeaky voices because they're so small, and mosquitoes are even smaller. So maybe they just speak in a voice that's like more high pitched. Maybe they actually can speak. They just speak in such a high pitched voice that we can't hear them. 
<laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta try and find a uh, uh, way to like uh, lower their voice down so to see if I can hold a conversation with a mosquito and just have a like, conversation and be like, okay, look, I know you gotta you gotta live and you gotta have some blood, but you're like you're causing a lot of malaria and itching and all sorts of problems. So like maybe we could work something out. Like just we'll get you like a, a link to the like the blood bank and then. Uh, you don't have to bite actual living people anymore. Deal? Uh, yeah, but that would be a problem because you you would give them blood that you need for blood transfusions. Yeah, but like you only need a, like a teeny tiny amount of blood from from a blood transfusion to satisfy a mosquito. But, like True. one bag of blood goes a long, long way in the mosquito world. And That's I, I feel like I feel like that would be worthwhile some lost blood transfer blood in exchange for no more malaria would be pretty good. Is this like a legal operation or is this more like a, you have a bag of blood in the trunk of your car and you have like this swarm of mosquitoes in a trench coat comes up and you're like, I have this stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's just a swarm of mosquitoes in a trench coat and they get the they bag they can't even lift the trench coat very high off the ground, so it's just like a, a like piled up trench coat that's buzzedly as it scoots across the ground towards your car full of blood. Boy, this doesn't sound horrific at all. It's not a car full of blood. You just have a bag. <laughs> you, you said I like... was dealing out of the back of my car. Just right, like but a you don't have a car full. <laughs> you know... Whenever you do a drug deal, you don't want your whole car full of the drugs. I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> no, no, officer. I don't know why you pulled me over. And I hope it doesn't have anything to do with the six solid feet of cocaine that I have packed <laughs> in the back of my car. You see, officer, I'm trying to be efficient. I'm making one trip. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to pack the entire car because... I am borrowing this car so that you wouldn't catch me and <laughs> I need to get back at the dealer by tomorrow. So I'm it's just one it's like that except with blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think the phrase a car full of blood is maybe such a horrific image that I have to switch gears on this. Uh I I think maybe it's going to be instead of like a like back alleyway operation that this is like um, like an agreement between nations. Like this is a treaty between <laughs> humans and the mosquitoes. So like the the UN will like uh, draw up a draft, and then like one mosquito will come and like dip their snout in ink, and just like suck up <laughs> a little ink to go like sign their teeny tiny signature on the paper, and then we'll just have like every time that you like give blood, then there's just like one in ten blood donations go to the mosquitoes instead of to other humans and then oh. they get to live their life and we don't get bit anymore and it, it works out well for everybody yeah i like a blood bank you know how they say like um 10 of the proceeds go to this cause it's like 10 percent <laughs> of the blood donated goes to mosquitoes yeah 10 <laughs> <laughs> 
support the cause for mosquitoes. And then, like, out in front of, like, at the mosquito place, there'll be, like, a, another do- donation bin. There'll be, like, a little jar for, like, donating to the mosquito cause. <laughs> It'll be great. I think the main problem is just going to be figuring out how to get these, uh, like, their voices so much lower. We need, like, like a, there's probably a word for this kind of device, but I don't know what it is. But, like, a reverse dog whistle. The, like, you blow into it and it makes your voice way lower. Wait, so you know how when you inhale helium, it makes your voice higher? Yeah. So I know that there's another chemical, I can't remember what it is, but it makes your voice lower. Oh, yeah, there are ones that'll make your voice lower. I think argon is one of them, although don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert on breathing gases, but I think that's one of them. So if we take one of those gases, may or may not be argon, and we Mm -hmm. put it in a room full of mosquitoes. Yeah. Either, I think it's a win-win, because either the mosquitoes can now talk lower so we can understand them, or Mm -hmm. they all die. And then the mosquitoes are gone. Yes. All right. Uh, But if we kill them and we say we're trying to help them, that's not going to look good on us. This is true. And then the rest of the mosquitoes are going to come after us. And that's terrifying. And then instead of like this sort of like uh, unofficial hostility between us and mosquitoes, that's sort of like guerrilla warfare between any individual house owner and the like mosquitoes that infest the house it's going to be like full out total war between us and the mosquitoes they're going to like try and like muster armies of mosquitoes to come and uh attack us and uh suck out all of our blood at once so i think we gotta be really careful with how we how we handle the whole communication thing maybe we just need like a an instrument that that changes your pitch from high to low so just like have all of the mosquitoes talk into a uh, didgeridoo or something like that. And it just comes out <laughs> the other side way lower. I'm not an expert on didgeridoo physics. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I definitely do not know how that works at all, but I can sound confident while saying that a bunch of mosquitoes talking into a didgeridoo definitely makes them speak audible English. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would happen... If the mosquitoes, they finally can talk and we can understand them, but Mm. it's like French or something. Oh, I mean, then they only get to make a a deal with France. Uh, And then the French have just like gained a new ally. That might be something that we have to watch out for, too, because like if they only ally themselves with one country, then they've suddenly gained like a a new a new world ally. And if it's like a, a. a precarious situation you could just be like uh giving them a new weapon if this is some sort of like if this is a con- like hypothetically if we were to go to war with france then we would be fighting not just the french military but also the french mosquitoes <laughs> that's, that's terrifying yeah so they would fly like in this hypothetical scenario mm-hmm. the mosquitoes would fly in airplanes <laughs> across the sea <laughs> And... Yeah, we, we would see planes that would fly overhead and be like, "Oh no, it's a it's a, a French bomber. We got to shoot it down." And then we shoot a whole lot of bullets up at it, and then they're like, "Well, I'm sure we hit it. Why didn't it do anything?" And there'll be like big holes in the plane, and they'll be like, "Oh dang, it's the mosquitoes. It's just a big paper mache plane. Those mosquitoes got us again." <laughs> again. 
What if there's like an underground mosquito network? Okay, keep talking, keep talking. I'm I'm into it. So in you're you're into the underground mosquito network? <laughs> I want to know what what you have in mind for the underground mosquito network. It is a system of tunnels underneath the whole world where mosquitoes travel. The only problem with this, the only problem with this, mosquitoes don't live very long. A lot of dead mosquitoes under the ocean. <laughs> but... <laughs> true transatlantic travel is real hard for a mosquito courier messages from one end of the atlantic to the other and it would take like 15 mosquito generations to get this message across and by the time that it got there it would be like oh we we already know like we we received a phone call about it like six weeks ago (laughs) okay what if there's like another animal that paired up with mosquitoes like if moles and mosquitoes had an alliance i like that idea though i do need to real quick google whether moles eat mosquitoes because i feel like that might be a a tense matchup if they if they did well not actually that would be even better because then the mosquitoes would be like don't eat us we if you don't eat us we will deliver your messages for you it says moles do eat small insects, uh, but it doesn't specify whether mosquitoes are part of it. Moles will eat earthworms, grubs, snails, spiders, small animals, and other insects, but it doesn't specify which insects. So they could potentially eat mosquitoes, but also maybe not. Okay. Well, they won't eat the mosquitoes if there's a pact. That's true. It does seem like if they've got a lot of other food, maybe making the pact with the mosquitoes would be uh, viable without them, like, cutting off their food source. Uh, koala bears aren't going to make a pact with eucalyptus, no matter how enticing the eucalyptus offer is. I gotta, I gotta eat, man. But maybe moles and mosquitoes could make it work out, because moles have other food. Yeah. So, so the moles then help, like, dig these underground tunnels for the, for the mosquito network. Are the moles like active combatants, or is this just like all of the the sneaky sneaking around under the ground sort of action? I think this is just sneaking around, but I think the moles already have a system, so the mosquitoes are just using the moles' system already. Oh, okay, okay, I can see that. I can see that. But okay. it was the mosquitoes' idea to. Um, have a system of tunnels under the ocean. Okay. All right. So the, the the moles have to really work together to get that system going underneath the ocean. Because yeah. I imagine that they, like, as far as I'm aware, the moles have not yet um, had the proper motivation to try and dig tunnels underneath the entirety of the ocean. Right. So I, I think that it would have to be this sort of, like, interspecies uh combat prompting that would that would motivate them to such a big uh effort it it could be combat motive but it could also be food motive if they wanted to dig a tunnel to france they could just the mosquitoes could let the moles know that there are delicious pastries in france that's true that's true and all the moles are like oh that's perfect i had been wondering where to get pastries and 
uh, I haven't been able to find any here in South Dakota, uh, so I'm just gonna go around the entire world to find some. I do feel like nose, like moles have pretty big noses. I don't know how their sense of smell is, but like half of their head is nose. I feel like they would probably figure out somewhere along the line that there are other pastries in the world besides the ones <laughs> at France. <laughs> Good point. I do like the idea that like all of these moles dig like halfway to, to France and then they're like, oh wait, I forgot. Pastries exist in America too. Maybe that's all you need. If you get like all of the moles digging these tunnels at once, you, if they only go halfway, you still got a lot of network there. True. I'm just glad that we won't have to deal with like uh, the these moles as like a, a combat force. Like we don't have to worry about moles popping up out of the ground and like grabbing me by my ankles and trying to haul me down into their little tunnels. Uh, no, I don't want his pastries. Yeah, okay. Okay. I like that. Maybe it could be <laughs> that they uh they see their the mosquitoes are all being satisfied in France. So all of the moles know that like if you go to France, mosquitoes ain't gonna bite you. Like everybody just go to France because then you don't have to be bitten anymore. And then suddenly France has all the mosquitoes and all the moles. Oh no. Oh, but, yeah, but people aren't bitten by mosquitoes in France because they have the the, the, the contract with France in this scenario. Yeah. So maybe this actually could turn out pretty poorly for France because, like, I mean, it's nice that there aren't mosquito bites for a while, but then suddenly, like, every mole on Earth is trying to show up in France. And that's a lot of moles. Like, you might just get, like, it's going to be an overwhelming number of moles trying to like live inside of your house france is not a big country either yeah all right hmm yeah well maybe then we shouldn't call we shouldn't attempt to to make a make a deal with the mosquitoes if it's going to lead to an overwhelming influx of moles that is <laughs> the logical next step from from point a to point b there I think that we have thoroughly explored that scenario uh, and have decided that we should not uh, try and broker a deal with these mosquitoes. The literal collapse of France, because underneath France is just mole tunnels, and suddenly the whole city, like, sinks a foot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That would be an unfortunate way to go. And it's just not worth the price of not having to deal with mosquito bites or malaria. As terrible as malaria is, it's probably not worth having your whole country sink into the ground uh, because of an overwhelming influx of moles. Because it will lead to the collapse of France, and nobody wants that. Glad that we've learned that. Uh, kids, don't make treaties with uh, blood-sucking insects that could lead to the destruction of your country. Yes, and and maybe don't keep blood in the trunk of your car that too also don't drive with large blocks of cocaine uh stacked up uh full tetris style with every inch of space taken um inside of your car or anywhere else for that matter it's just not a good look no matter how efficient it is <laughs> don't do cocaine no matter how efficient it is <laughs> 
because that's that's definitely the tagline that cocaine users are are going for. Come try cocaine; it's really efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Efficient for what, you ask? Well, uh, you won't be asking that once you're on cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Thank you, Nadia, for this wonderful trip down the the lanes of insanity. Um, No drugs um, were involved in this trip. Yeah, nope. So, uh, thank you everybody who's listening, whoever you are, uh, we appreciate it, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode of A Perfectly Logical Podcast. This was fun, and gives me food for thought. Indeed. Don't be food, don't do drugs. (laughs) 